scripture reading this morning comes out of the book of Ephesians. Um, you can turn there. I think it's, uh, it's at page 828 in the um, Pew Bible or up on the screen there, much easier. Um, so this is, uh, this is Paul talking to the church of, at Ephesus um, regarding the general topic of unity in the body of Christ, starting at uh, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We pray Christ will bless the reading of his word this morning. For those of you who have been at ICP for, for a while, you know that you have a very strange pastor. Um, and um, I, I can't apologize for how God, God made me. He gave me a strange mind. Um, and I try to use that strangeness to hopefully teach some important and some good things. But uh, I have an illustration today. And, and you know, Kyrick was a little worried about telling a, a, a dad joke and being abused for it. Every time I do a prop, I am very conscious that it could fail miserably. And today might, but we're going we're gonna to go with it anyway. Joe, would you mind taking this basket up to those in the balcony? And if you'll pass these around, I want you to just take one of these. There you go. Uh, so you know what's in the basket for all those who can't see. It's, it's a balloon, okay? Don't blow it up. Don't play with it. Just, just, just pick one out and take it. And hopefully this will work in a little while. And if not... <clears throat> Hopefully, like a bad dad joke, it will soon be forgotten. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I want you to, to start thinking about these questions. How would your life be different if you truly saw yourself as the church of Jesus Christ rather than going to church? How would it be different if you recognized that you are Jesus' presence here on earth. That means when you go to work tomorrow morning and you arrive at your workstation or whatever kind of position or job that you have, when you go to university tomorrow and you um, go into class, the church is going to work. The church is going to class. When you go shopping at, um, at Albert's or Lidl or wherever, wherever you, Tesco, wherever it is you go, the church is walking into that store because you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit, is walking into that place. How would it change your life? How would it change the intentionality of what you do if you truly saw yourself and saw us together as the body of Christ. This passage in Ephesians is emphasizing that we are a body, and it's using this incredible illustration 
by the one who made us and knows us best to help us get our minds around who we are together in Jesus Christ. Now, last week, I, I tried to, to give you a little bit of an example about the complexity of the body, and I used my, I used my little friend here uh, to, to show you that oftentimes this is kind of how we view the body of Christ. It's really simple, and, you know, it's got a couple arms, got a couple legs, and, you know, that maybe is the worship leaders and the pastor and the elders and the Sunday school teachers. Maybe that's a, that's a leg down here. It's pretty simple. But maybe you'll remember from last week, how many muscles does it take for you to take one step? Anybody remember that from last week? 200. You go, Carolina. Woo! All right. 200 muscles for you to take a step. Yeah, 200. That's a lot, isn't it? Okay, if it takes 200 muscles for you to move one leg in front of another, how much more complex is the body of Christ who is spread out across the face of this earth? And what's more important is how significant is every single muscle and ligament. That's what I love about what we read in the, in the passage there. How the joints and the ligaments all fit together to work together to enable us to be the presence of God, his body here on this earth. Now, if we really can grab a hold of what Jesus who made us, who understands the complexity of human anatomy better than anyone, We'll understand how vital each and every person is. So I, I want you to help move this from your head to your heart. And, and I want you to start by simply saying this out loud. I am the church. I am the church. Now say it like you actually mean it. I am the church. Now it feels weird saying that because we feel like we're, we're saying we're bragging about ourselves, but it's absolutely not that. And my illustration will show you that it's nothing to brag about because all the glory of being the church is it goes to the head. It goes to Jesus Christ, every bit of it. But we must see ourselves as the church. Church is not a gathering that we go to once a week. It is not small groups. Those are all good and wonderful and necessary things. But the church is the people of God serving the purpose of God. That's what the church is. The people of God serving the purpose of God. And that happens seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We are the church. Let's look at these verses again. Ephesians 4, I'm going to start in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Did you see the requirement for the church to, be, to build itself up in love? It requires every joint, every person, every believer must do their part. If the church isn't the way you think it should be, the place to begin is to ask the Lord, Lord, show me, am I doing the part you are calling me to do? 
because it begins with each of us. That's what I need to ask. That's the first question I need to be asking is, Lord, am I doing what you're calling me to do? Or am I somehow distracted and on my own agenda and and working out of my own strength, my own resources? The scripture reveals to us that God has given every believer gifts to be used for his glory and for the good of others, to build up the body in love. Back in verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And, and that word grace is such a beautiful, powerful word. It means um, an unmerited favor. It means that we did absolutely nothing to deserve it. But there's another dynamic to the word. When you look at it in the original language, it is the word charis. When you look at it in Greek, you see that it not only is something we don't deserve, but it is something that brings joy. You see, when we're being the body, when we're doing what God designed for you and I to do, it fills us with joy because his presence becomes more and more evident in our lives and in the lives of other believers. Grace brings joy. And the exercise, the way to fill our life with more joy is to seek to do what God has called us to do, to be the person he wants us to be and to use the gifts he has given to us. Uh, Very quickly, let me review what we looked at last week, uh, these uh, five truths about spiritual gifts. Number one, the gift God gave you fits you perfectly. There should never be Uh, an instance where we are comparing ourselves, comparing our giftedness to one another. That takes away from the one who gave us the gift himself. God did not make you, me, be thankful. Trust me. (laughs) He didn't make me, you. He made us unique individuals designed to reflect the glory of Jesus like a beautiful facet of a diamond. Every single one of us. That's our calling. Secondly, we discovered that the giver is more important than the gift. That's what we should seek is the giver, Jesus Christ himself. Thirdly, the goal is more important than the gift. And what's the goal? The goal is building the church together up in love so that it becomes um, the body of Christ and, and is his presence here on earth. Uh, fourthly, we explored that every follower of Jesus should have a ministry. Now, the word ministry, we tend to look at that and we, and we make it a church thing. It, ministry simply means service. It means something you're designed to do, a work that you were made for. And that service, some of those things happen when we gather together uh, for worship, but much of the service happens in your family in your workplace, in your community, you have a service, a ministry. You may not call it a ministry. Some of it you may call a job. That's okay. It can become a ministry when you give it to the Lord and you use the gifts that he has given you to be his presence where you are and where you go. And then finally, we looked at how every believer needs every other believer. We are made to fit together. Everyone is necessary. Well, moving forward, here's what we read in verse 11. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. Now, oftentimes in the church, we focus in on these leadership roles. But what what does it say in this verse is the purpose of those leadership roles? The purpose of a pastor, of a shepherd, is to build up the body so that you are free and released to do the work of Christ. To equip you so that you become who God created you to be. The work of a pastor is not to build a big gathering of people and a lot of different things that build up the fame of a particular church or certainly to build up the fame of any particular preacher. If that's what happens, we're missing our calling. I want to show you what what I would encourage you to pray for me as a pastor, for your home pastors, for those of you who are from, who are from other, other cities or just passing through, here's what I would urge you to pray for the spiritual leaders that are part of your church. There's a, there's a powerful passage in Jeremiah chapter three where God is, is proclaiming in his word what he desires in a pastor. And I don't, I don't think I make it even close, but I'm praying the Lord will enable me to get closer and closer. Here's what he says in Jeremiah 3, beginning of verse 15. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied, And been fruitful in the land. In those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say, The ark of the covenant of the Lord, it shall come to uh, it shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. This is a prophecy about the kind of shepherds that God is calling to lead his people to the throne room of God. To not be focused on the symbols, like the Ark of the Covenant. We did that whole study in looking at the Ark of the Covenant. But to be focused in on God and having our hearts become like him. So what I would encourage you to pray for spiritual leaders is pray that we, pray that I will have a heart after God, that the desires of my heart will be aligned with the desires that he has for his church, for his people. Pray also that we'll be effective in leading people in knowledge to know Jesus Christ, to know his word, and to understand what that means, not just to have head knowledge, but to be able to live it, because that's where understanding comes in. That's my job description. Now, when we move on, we come to the believer's job description. This is what God has for all of us to do. Look what it says, beginning in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, 
to a mature personhood, to the measure of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is our job description. And can I tell you, oftentimes when I, when I hear what happens sometimes in our, in our pulpits, we, it, oftentimes the church is so focused in on, on some doctrines where there's differences of opinion and, and we, we end up becoming so focused on arguing our side against another that we're not building up the body of Christ. We're being carried to and fro by doctrines that ultimately may not be that big a deal. Now, not all of them. We want to make sure that the essentials that are proclaimed in the scripture are what we're sticking to. But oftentimes, we get divided over smaller things. And when we do, we are not building up the body and people will not see Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing, and build up the body in love. So what's our assignment? What's our job description? Well, he, he spells it out here. First of all, he says that your job, my job, is to work together for unity of the faith in Christ Jesus. That's, that's why um, I will never refer to um, ICP as my church. I, I don't do it casually. Um, ever, because it's not. It's Jesus' church. And also, what's more than that is usually when we're talking about the church, what I mean is the church that has all kinds of different names that may be over the door, but they all belong to one person, Jesus Christ. That's the church. That's what we're to work for, the unity of the faith. That means that, yes, we're aligned to the truth and the proclamations of the Scripture but we're coming together to proclaim who Jesus is. Secondly, in our job description, is that we all should be growing in knowing Jesus personally. That's why we need to be in God's word continually. We need to make it a habit of exploring his word, of meditating on his word, of reading his word. That's what he's assigned us to do. Then thirdly, we're to live out our true identity in Jesus. When it says coming to a mature personhood or manhood, um, what it means is that we're becoming who we are in Christ, who he in his word has said we are, our real identity. Not what the world says, not what other people say about us, not what uh, my sin says, but what Jesus says about us. He says we are saints. We are set apart for his purpose, for good works, to proclaim the greatness of Jesus. And then he gives us this, this action point that I, I made even more simple. I, I simply say we are to speak grace. He says, speaking the truth in love. Now, this is one of those verses that oftentimes we can, um, we can misapply. We can use it as an excuse to tell someone 
what we think they should do. I'm just telling you the truth in love. I just tore apart your world when I did it, but it's in love because I said that it was in love. It may not have been very loving how I did it, but I'm speaking the truth in love. On the other hand, we can, we can err on the other side and only speak grace and not incorporate into that grace truth. You see, just like a balance scale has to come into balance, grace and truth, love and truth have to be in balance as well. We are to speak them together in a way that believes that God is working, God is building, that God deeply loves that person. And we believe that he is, he is working and doing a beautiful thing in them. We are to speak grace to one another. We're also to obey Jesus' lordship over every area of our life. To be a follower of Jesus, we have to be built up into the head. Jesus alone is in charge of your life, of my life, of your career, of your relationships, of your dreams, of your desires, of every facet of your life. He is the head. And we need to come to him and say, Lord, I present myself as a living sacrifice to you. Use me for your purpose and your glory. And then as he is the head, we build up one another. We encourage, we invest in one another. And then finally, we use the gifts that God has given us to join with other believers and serve them as we would serve Jesus himself. So, how do we do that? I hope to, to, to get a little practical. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to take your uh, balloon here, okay? And um, you'll notice that there's something inside the balloon, okay? This beautiful balloon, this beautiful display represents your life and my life. We're not very good looking, are we? So... Yeah, it's better. I, I once did a sermon with a bag of dirt and, and said that represents our life. And um, I, didn't, I didn't get a lot of good comments after that particular one when I called everybody dirt bags. But um, this is a little bit better with a balloon. So now here's, here's the thing. This represents your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. Inside of it, everyone has a coin or a couple of coins. They're different coins. So you can try to figure out the shape. Don't worry, they're not all check. It was whatever we had in the drawer. So, I mean, some of them are Polish, some of them are, there's, I know there's at least a few U.S. nickels in there somewhere. There's all kinds of things in there. Doesn't matter, it's just a symbol. Doesn't matter whether you got one crown or five cents, okay? It represents that God has given you a gift. He's placed his treasure in you to be used for him. Now, here's the thing about, about a balloon. A balloon is no good when it's empty. I mean, there's just, you know, I mean, how much fun can you have? Even as a, you know, think like a child, because this is how I do. How much fun can you have with a balloon when it's empty? It, it really, it, not, it just doesn't do much for you, does it? Can I, can I tell you? You don't do much for God when you're empty either. Because you see, you and I were designed to be filled with one thing, the Holy Spirit. And if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't use the gifts that God has invested in me, 
and I can't display to the world who Jesus is. That's the purpose of this. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I know it's a silly little prop. Thank you. My wife loves me. I'm glad somebody does. I want you to, to, to put this in your wallet or in your pocket and just carry it for a few days as a reminder to pray. To pray two things. I know it's strange, but it'll work if you'll do it. Just hang with me. Number one, pray each day. Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Day after day, just pray that he would fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can be his presence in this world. Secondly, would you pray, Lord, would you show me how you have gifted and equipped me to accomplish your purpose? That's the point of the coin inside. God has invested in you a treasure that was designed for you. It's unique. And he wants to use you in ways he will not use other people. My prayer is that as we genuinely seek for the Lord to fill us and the Lord to direct us, we as a people will become more and more of the church he wants us to be. I believe God is going to reveal ministries and opportunities to you that we've never dreamed of before. Opportunities to be able to take the gospel to new places. Because here's the thing. God has placed within you um, not only these spiritual gifts, but he's placed within you spiritual passions and desires that he is going to use in beautiful ways. One great example is, and I'm going to put her on the spot, Nina over here, God has given an incredible heart for Israel. And she's begun going frequently to pray in Israel, in a prayer room that's um, uh, the Czech prayer room. In, and she's not Czech, so, but she's pretty much Czech. So adopted, adopted Czech. Um, to go and intercede in Jerusalem and pray for the nations. That's a ministry that God has given her because she's been looking and saying, Lord, how have you made me? What are the passions? What are the desires you placed in my heart? How do you want me to use them? And that happens in all kinds of ways throughout this body. Some of you serve in, in, in different missions and ministries. And here's the part I want to encourage you. Take the church with you. As you need resources to help you accomplish things, take, take other members of the church because we want to be a part of what Christ is doing in and through you. Others, God is going to raise up based upon the passions he's placed in your heart and your life, new opportunities to reach people. Maybe in the workplace, maybe new outreaches and, and ministries here in the city, maybe using gifts or, or arts or creativity. God wants to use you. And he will when we place ourselves in his hands and say, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And then empower the gifts that you've given me to accomplish your purpose and your will. Will you pray that? Okay, you can play with those or do whatever you want to. Put them in your pocket, throw it away. Don't do that one. Uh, just not yet. Here's, here's where this comes down. You've been gifted with spiritual passion. I believe this is absolutely true. And here's how we are to pursue it. Number one, the, it begins with our attitude. 
What God calls us to do is to seek a God-given passion, not a position. Seek a God-given passion, not a position. Desire what God gave you, not what you think you would be good at or what others might be impressed with. And remember that the greatest gift, the greatest of all spiritual gifts is love. If you're going to pray for a gift, that's the one to always pray for. God, give me the gift of love so that I may be more like Jesus. Secondly, don't be afraid to be stretched. God may be prompting your heart to do something new or to revive something old within you. And you never know where it's going to lead. I became a pastor because I followed a spiritual passion for media. That just doesn't, it's not the normal way that that happens. The last thing I ever wanted to do was be in front of people. Being behind a camera, that was okay. Better yet, being in a control room that was set apart from everyone else where I could hear and see everything and tell the camera's operators what to do, that was even, that fit my passion because I am an introvert. And it was just like, this is my safe place. I am a happy camper. Yeah, yes, yes, I know. But God may stretch you. He stretched me. He keeps stretching me. He's going to stretch you. So it starts with the right attitude. Secondly, there is an affinity. Discovering your gift begins with assessing what moves you spiritually. So I want you to start asking questions like this. What are you passionate about? Is there a burning conviction in you to help the poor or someone in need? God may have given you the gift of mercy, and he is calling in your heart for you to exercise that gift, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go out and to serve with the gift of mercy. Is there um, a burning conviction for proclaiming truth, for helping people to understand God's word? Maybe he's given you the gift of teaching. Is there a passion within you to to help others, to serve? He's given you the gift of helps. And that can take on all kinds of beautiful different dimensions. I mean, for, for Eunice, it takes on the form of baked goods. And we are all helped by it. And so, yeah, yes, (laughs) so is my waistline. Um, But it's a beautiful thing because she's expressing who God made her and the, the passion that he placed within her to serve others. Do you love to host other people? I mean, do you, are you uh, in, um, just grow and, and glow when you practice hospitality? Maybe that's a gift that God has given you. Are you the type of person who can't hold back in conversation when you meet someone new? You just want to find out everything about them and you want to tell them you know, things about yourself and you just want to go deep in conversations. Maybe God has given you the gift of evangelism, that he wants to use that passion to point to spiritual truths, to deep things. Start pursuing the passion. And as you start pursuing that passion and start praying and say, Lord, show me what you've given me so that I may use it for you, your life will be filled with more and more joy. 
Spiritual gifts are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. The fruits of the Spirit are spiritual qualities or attitudes. It's it's who we are, not what we do. And those are the evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The evidence of us being filled is not any particular spiritual gift. It is the fruits of the Spirit. That shows that just like that balloon is expanding, that the Holy Spirit is within us. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All those are evidence that the Holy Spirit is taking up more and more territory in your heart and in your life. And they are made to overflow into the lives of others. So we want to pursue our passion. And let me give you, give you a, a few more prompts within that. It begins with praying and exploring your God-given passion. And here's some more questions. Simply ones like this. What excites you? What stirs you spiritually? It's not just a, a matter of something that you're interested in, but it's deeper within you. What do you enjoy talking about for hours and when you are done, you go away energized? Chances are that has something to do with how God has created you and gifted you. This one is really important. What breaks your heart? Ask the Lord to show you how he has placed a piece of his heart in you. Is your heart broken for widows, for orphans? That comes because God's heart breaks for them. He has promised to be a father to the fatherless. He has promised to be a husband to the widow. Maybe your heart breaks when you see relationships that are struggling. Maybe God is gifting and equipping you to walk alongside of people in their relationships, to be an encourager, to be a coach, to strengthen them. What breaks your heart? And then as you look at what breaks your heart, begin to explore the scriptures and say, what does God's word say about that? Do a, do a study, use a concordance, use one of the Bible apps. And if you have trouble, just, just feel free to send me an email and say, here's what breaks my heart. Can you help me find some verses that talk about God's idea about that, that concern? And begin to explore what he says so that he can then shape that within you and show you how he wants to use it. Another question would be, what have you done for others that makes you feel like you've made a difference? Because here's the beautiful thing. More than um, anything else, when we use our spiritual gifts filled by the Holy Spirit, there will be fruit and results in the lives of others. And that can be an affirmation that we are pursuing what God has gifted us to do. It's not the only one, but it can be one. And one of my favorite questions to encourage people is is simply this. What would you do if you knew you would not fail? Because oftentimes what prevents us from pursuing what God is stirring within us is fear. Fear of what others may think, fear of failure, fear of that's not the normal way to do things. 
So what is it that you would do if you knew you would not fail? Now, we need to make sure that it aligns with God's word um, and that it is, is um, something that will honor him and not honor us. But we can dream big because we have an infinite God who is calling us to be his people. After we pray and explore about that and we wrestle through some of those questions, we want to meditate and and continue to, to look into God's word. Galatians 5 gives us some good instruction. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The place to begin is to serve. Find a place to begin. You know, there's, there's an old, very simple um, proverb that it's a whole lot easier. Maybe it's only a Drew proverb. I used to tell it to my children. But it's a whole lot easier to steer a car that's moving. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but parked cars really, you can turn the wheel all you want and nothing really happens. It just kind of moves the front that much. But when it's moving, then you're able to get direction. And the same is true in using our spiritual gifts. Begin to serve and then ask the Lord to guide you and direct you about how he wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. Begin to serve and then also it requires an active waiting on God for you to use your God-gifted passions. As he begins to reveal things in your heart, commit to praying daily for those things. Carry that silly balloon and coin in your pocket and and, and maybe you write on the outside of it something he's revealed to you. And begin to pray and say, Lord, would you show me what that looks like and how you want to use me for your purpose and for your kingdom? Then research ways to pursue this passion. Research ways to prepare to be able to use that gift. What are the things that you need to be able to to utilize that? Talk with someone you trust about it. Pray together with someone else and be prepared. Be expectant that God will answer because he will. And as he begins to reveal an area, maybe that will prompt you to begin prayer walking. Maybe God gives you a heart that is broken for the sex workers in our city. On Vesmechka, where the Bridge Center is, there are over 500 sex workers on that one street. And maybe God is prompting and breaking your heart because he wants to use you to reach out to them. God's given us a unique opportunity that now our next door neighbor is the costume shop for the sex shops. So right next to the bridge, right out front, I mean, how much more opportunity to make a difference could we ask for? God put us right next door to him. But we need people to help build relationships, to love on them, to, not to shop there, but to, to, to visit with them. Yeah, don't, don't shop there. Um, but to form relationships. Begin to prayer walk. Begin to be intentional about saying and believing that God is going to use you. And then look for affirmation. True giftedness will bear fruit in the lives of others. The final thing that I would, I would say is I want to encourage you to read this passage. I, I, I went too long today, and so I apologize. But I want to encourage you to re- read Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. It's the parable of the minus. 
And it's Jesus' own words basically saying, I've placed a talent, which in this case isn't something, an ability. It was a measure of, um, of silver. I've placed a treasure in you that I've designed for you to use. And in the parable of the talent, you have several different people that are there. Some used it faithfully, and the 10 talents made 10 talents more, and the one with five talents made five talents more, and the one with just one talent chose to take that and bury it, and just keep it for themselves because they were afraid. And in essence, what Jesus tells in that parable is, is this, to use it or lose it. He says this in verse 26. I tell you to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God has gifted you, he's gifted me, and he expects us to use what he has given us for his kingdom. So let's be the church. Let's discover what God wants to use us for. And here's the thing. Then we encourage one another as he begins to reveal what he's doing in your life and you share it with others, they're gonna come alongside of you and encourage you and build you up and we're gonna become more and more the church God wants us to be because he's gonna fill us with his presence and with his power. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you Thank you that you, who have all the power in the universe, you could have chosen any way you wanted to reveal yourself to this world. You could have chosen mighty signs and wonders, which you have used in the past and you will use in the future. But you chose the way you want to reveal your presence, your glory, and your goodness. You chose us as those who believe in you. You've given us the privilege of being your body. Lord, would you show us how to live? Show each person here how you've made them, how you've gifted them, the passions and the desires that you've placed within their heart. And Lord, would you bring them forth that they may bear fruit and lift up the name of Jesus. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen.